You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Let's get our Bibles open to Luke chapter 24. Let's go, Lord. Let's do this today. Let's see some lives change, God, for your glory. As you find a Bible and you turn into Luke chapter 24, the context, of course, is that Jesus Christ had died. Darkness had fallen over the whole land in the middle of the day. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. The earth literally shook and rocks were split. Jesus was buried in a tomb secured by a large stone. It was a sad and it was a lonely day. It must have been so lonely on that Saturday. The disciples of Jesus, his followers, devastated and staggered by all that had just happened. Just imagine the sadness and the despondency setting in upon them. But then Sunday comes, and as the sun peaks over the horizon at Sunday dawn, the world had no idea as to the power of that day. The power of the day that would change the world forever. Another earthquake then hits. An angel of the Lord descends and rolls back the stone. And by the way, we had, we had an Easter 50-person choir song set up for you for this day. And the joy is going to bring. And just to praise God for the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That day we pray will come someday very soon. But here we are today by God's will, submitting and trusting Him. So some of the faithful women, they went to the tomb first thing in the morning and the tomb was open and Jesus' body was not there. The angel then speaks to the women and he says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And then he says this, He is not here. For he has risen, as he said. The women then run to tell the disciples. And again, what a feeling they must have had. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the anticipation of what they just heard? The disciples are informed. Some don't believe the story. They think it's just a tale. Peter, though, bless his heart, he rises and he runs to the tomb to see for himself. And as the horizon of the sun was beginning to, again, see on that day, hope was also setting on the horizon that day as well. And it is here now that the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ begins to set in. It is here now that Jesus begins to appear to his people. It is here that he begins to prove and show a power again that the world has never seen. It is here in the reality of his power begins to be unleashed upon his people. His power is unleashed upon those who believe and love him and trust in him. It's a reality again that that day was the turning point of the entire world. What a day it was, listen, and what a day it still is. I want to take a moment to pray right now, and I'm going to ask that every believer who is watching right now, we are live right now. This is live. This is prayers that, again, right now impact this moment, right now. And so I pray you will pray with me, every believer. Pray with me right now that the power of God would be 
seen and evidenced among so many people here. Jesus Christ, be so glorified right now. I so gladly bow before you. For we are nothing and you are everything. Take your word, use it. Change the youngest to the oldest. And everyone in between. Oh Lord, as Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Yes, Lord, take today. Use it, Lord. Call your people to pray. Every believer praying right now that you will bring salvation. That you will give yourself glory. That you will be so honored here at this time. In this service. In this place. In every single place. The thousands of places represented right now. You do it, Lord, for you are good. And we pray this together in faith and believing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, I'm glad to be here with you. I really am. Thank you, Lord. Jesus being raised from the dead, he begins now to appear to his people. And this is where our passage comes in. What a story, what a truth, what a power. Here's where we again begin uh, this Easter weekend. Point number one is this, the illuminating power of his truth. The illuminating power of his truth. Look at Luke chapter 24. Let me just read our passage as we get to the main verses we'll be at. Look at verse 36. It says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Who's that for today? The peace that comes from Jesus Christ. No one else can give peace like Jesus. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at the calmness Jesus brings. Look at his authority. Look who's in control. See my hands and my feet that as I myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus says touch me to know that I am raised from the dead. I am in flesh like you. I am real. I am not a ghost. In verse 40, and when he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieve for joy, that phrase is like, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. Our Savior is alive. They marveled, it says. And he said to them, have you anything to eat? Why would Jesus say that? They took a piece of broiled fish, again, to let him know that he was not a spirit. He was in the flesh, raised from the dead in the flesh. And he took it and ate before them. And here's our text here today. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms might be fulfilled. Then he opened their, beautiful, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to his name, in his name, to all Nations. Awesome text. Praying for an awesome day. Again, look at verse 44. The power of those words where Jesus says, Thus it is written. Look at what Jesus does. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in this moment, he chooses to stand on truth of all things he could have said and all things he could have done. Notice he refers to the law of Moses. And the Psalms 
and the prophets. What's he doing? He's like the whole Old Testament. I mean, he just, he just summarized the whole Old Testament. And he says the entire Old Testament, the scriptures, the truth of God, he says, they all point to me, Jesus says. All the truth revealed in God's word points to Jesus Christ. In verse 44, he says, everything written about me might be fulfilled. Why does he say that? He says that because Jesus Christ is the truth. We have been given this word, the Bible, which is the truth to reveal the person of the Son of God in Jesus Christ. Notice this too. Notice that Christ himself uses the scriptures with his own disciples to teach them about himself. He chooses to go to the inerrant word of God, the truth, to show his own disciples, again, what this says about him because he is the truth revealed in the truth. The whole Bible ultimately points to Jesus because Jesus, again, is the truth. You know, our world right now is desperate for truth. Our world right now is desperate for facts of truth in the crisis we find ourselves in. The thing with this world longs for so much is really it's a temporal fact or truth. It's a temporal nature of how to get me out or save me from this current moment. But listen, the design of crisis ultimately is to point us to eternal truth. Can you see yet how this crisis we find ourselves in right now is ultimately designed to lift our eyes from the earthly, the temporal, from personal self-obsession. Crises can be used. They can be used to break our minds from perpetual self-distraction and self-destruction. I mean, just think about it right now. It's so important to call spiritual timeouts at some point. And think of all the people right now, they've worked their whole lives in this moment. They've saved up. They're anticipating retirement. They had this kind of golden idea of living this life and sitting on a beach or whatever it is and living out their days and just kind of ease and comfort and riches around them. And all of a sudden now, one thing happens. They are filled with panic-stricken fear over their status and certainty and health and whatever it is. And all of a sudden, everything's been rocked and they're looking around and they're like, there must be more than this. They've lived their whole lives planning this time in their lives and all of a sudden it seems to be gone in a moment and now they're filled with fear and they're looking around saying there must be more. There must be more. There is more. So much more than this life. You need to hear the truth. The truth that is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice in verse 45, it says, Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I mean, I love this so much. Notice, it's the truth of God's word combined with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, causing true understanding to be held. This is what makes understanding. So the disciples, man, they walked three years with Jesus. They had seminary with their professor as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They had all this content, yet they didn't fully get it yet. They needed the Spirit of God to take the truth of God to create in them true understanding. The video we just saw of Zach and Jen, that's an awesome example of, 
You have a couple that had information here, but no transformation here. It's only by the Spirit of God that takes the truth of God that can open our minds to understand truly the truth that we might be transformed. It's not enough to have information. We must see transformation which only occurs again by the Holy Spirit of God. So here we have the disciples. They're doing a Bible study with God himself. Jesus Christ is God. Can you imagine doing a Bible study with God? Like, it's not one of these Bible studies where, you know, kind of, hey, uh, let's open the Bibles and let's go around the circle and let's everyone, let's hear from everyone what you think the passage means. No, 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 that's not happening in this Bible study, man. This is like one guy's talking Jesus and the rest of them are like, right? Like, that's what's happening in this Bible study. And as Jesus begins to unpack, again, the law and the Psalms and the prophets and all the scriptures that are revealed and pointing again to him, the disciples, like, can you imagine the light bulbs? Can you, uh, like, ding, ding, like, they're just like, and like, oh, and what, what, you know, like, that's what's happening, man. This is the, the best Bible study they could ever imagine because it's the Son of God who is leading them through it. He is pointing them to the truth. He is opening their minds to understand the scriptures. They would never be the same again. This is what the Holy Spirit does then and now. Now, Lord, do it now. You know, when Jesus was speaking to Pilate before his crucifixion, Jesus says this. He says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who is of the truth, Jesus says, listens to the voice of Jesus because truth equals Jesus Christ. The illuminating power of his truth. And what truth does he start to unpack specifically? Number two, the atoning power of his death. The atoning power of his death. So Jesus opens their minds and begins to explain the greatest truth ever told you. God, look at scripture right now. Look at verse 46. Notice it says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. Let's just stop right there for a second. That the Christ should suffer. Notice, the number one truth that Jesus wants to teach his disciples in this moment is the truth of the gospel and specifically the truth of why he must and had to suffer. Isn't that significant? The number one truth that Jesus wants to teach is the gospel, and specifically he begins with, again, the necessity of his suffering on the cross for you and for me. That the text says the Christ should suffer. Who's the Christ? The Christ is Messiah. The Christ is the anointed one. The Christ is the one sent by God to save the world. But here we see the plan of man versus the plan of God. What did man want? Man wanted a conquering king to come and obliterate the Romans. But God's plans and ways are so much different than ours. God sends his son to earth, not to be some conquering king, but a suffering servant. He sends his son to die again for the sins of all humanity. Notice in the gospel story, this isn't some Marvel Avenger coming to beat up the bad guys, as we always see. All the superheroes beating up the bad guys. Yeah, they're temporarily hurt, but they rise up and they beat up the bad guys. What happens in the gospels is the bad guys murder Jesus. That's God's plan of salvation. He sends his son to die. 
and to be murdered. Why did Jesus have to die? Because payment had to be made for my sins and yours. And this is why Jesus Christ says on the cross those awesome, incredible, powerful three words. It is finished. He had to pay for the sins and his perfection that you and I could never pay for. You know, it's not lost on me, and I pray it's not lost on you why It's profound, actually, that the height of suffering around our world right now in this moment, this day, could be the pinnacle, even for this continent, of death and suffering through this virus we see all around us. It's not lost on me that it lands on this weekend and even on this day. The weekend we remember, again, the suffering and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, all the suffering we're seeing, all the suffering around us, it all, this one, it all ultimately points to Jesus Christ and why he had to suffer and die. Death was not part of God's original plan. And all the death, it, it just, it all reminds us. It reminds us that we need a Savior, the Savior who died the ultimate death to see the death of death and the death of Christ. This day, this weekend, this time, this way, This is the death you want to focus on the most. The death of Jesus Christ that we might never have to die. That's the power of the gospel. You know what's also so important too, and I want to speak pastorally to you right now. It's as hard as it is to see death all around us. Listen, there's a very healthy side of this because it reminds us and we're forced to. As much as we don't want to, we try to escape from it. We try to pretend it's not happening. We try to convince ourselves. We try to ignore it all. But listen, we're unable to do that right now. We're all having to face our mortality. You and me, right now, we're having to look around and recognize that we are mortal. And death comes for us all. That can be scary, listen, but that can be so healthy. So healthy as well, because that's just true. Carl Truman, he says this on the screen for you. He says this. This is profound to me. He says, death is inevitable, which is why each of us finds it so terrifying. In this situation is the task of the church, listen, to mug people with reality before reality itself comes calling. Yet yet that note seems to have been signally absent from the public profile of the church in recent weeks. He ends with this. This is, this is so important. Efforts to fight the virus are important, but so is the church's task of preparing us for death. And see, what I think he's saying there is, is as, as much as we want to protect ourselves and fight against the temporal, a failure to recognize what's ultimately pointing to the eternal If we don't do that, then we're missing again our greatest mission as the church itself. You see, this is what the world must wake up to. A plague faces our world right now. Romans 8 describes this as creation itself is groaning. We are groaning, longing for our redemption and hope in Jesus Christ. It's the curse of sin that's all around us. That's what we see. So a physical plague faces our world, but listen, it ultimately points to the ultimate 
plague. You've got to listen very, very carefully here. The physical plague pointing to the ultimate plague. You know, one of the potential blessings of this physical plague among us today is that it brings awareness to our spiritual plague. The spiritual plague of sin, which is infinitely worse than COVID-19. Infinitely. But you see, the problem with this plague of sin that you'll, is that you'll never, never come up with a vaccine. Ever. There's no ventilator that can save you. There's no amount of hand sanitizer that can wash this plague of sin away. There's no social distancing that will ever save any person ever from the plague of sin. You can wear all the protective equipment you want, masks and gloves and gowns, whatever. This will not protect you from the plague of sin. Why? Because all are infected. Every single person ever born has the disease. And the death rate of the spiritual plague of sin, the death rate is 100%. of human beings are infected with the disease of sin and are therefore sentenced to death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. No one is righteous, no, not one. This point you might be saying, oh, Robbie, um, thanks for the pep talk. Pretty excited about that. But listen, listen, listen. I understand why you would say that. Without the bad news, you can't see the good news. You, you, you must recognize the bad news that we are all infected to understand the good news of why Jesus Christ came and died and rose from the dead to defeat death. Think of, think of the joy that will be felt the day when the vaccine is created for COVID-19. Think of the joy. The whole world will feel the joy and excitement. I imagine at the end of World War II, you see the pictures of the young men and women, and they're parading the streets, and the joy that just the war is over and the excitement. I imagine when the vaccine for COVID-19 is created, something like that kind of joy will be felt, and it will be literally across this globe. Amazing to me. Tremendous rejoicing. And yet again, remember, remember, even when the vaccine is created and found and administered, remember, that will be a temporal solution to an eternal problem. Even with the COVID-19 vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine can't stop death, it just delays it. See, this is a wisdom moment right now. You see what happens? The greatest problem is that you can have someone who is cured of this disease and they can delay death, but they cannot defeat death. They cannot stop death. It just, it's just delaying the inevitable that we all have to die. we got to remember that. But see, now you enter the good news. The good news now enters the love of God. 
Now enters the mercy of God. Now enters the grace of God. Now enters the Son of God and the Lamb of God and the sacrifice of God and the hope of God, Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ isn't the one who just delays death. Jesus Christ is the one who destroys death. He obliterates it. When he's raised from the dead because his sacrifice was accepted by his Father, paid in full, he stands over death and taunts it and mocks it because now it has no hold on anyone who also believes in Jesus Christ and belongs to him. Jesus takes on our sin. Jesus takes on the disease of our sin and the plague of our sin. He takes it all upon himself. And in turn, he gives us his perfect healing, his perfect righteousness, his perfect purity for everlasting life. That's the deal God offers to all who have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, to receive his grace today. How awesome is that? It's the love of God. See, for all the talk of doctors right now in our day, and we're so thankful for our doctors and frontline workers, we are so thankful, incredibly thankful. I have doctors in my family on both sides and many, many friends. So thankful. But I'm telling you, the single greatest doctor you need right now that will cover all the bases from now for all of eternity is the great physician, and his name is Jesus Christ. Maybe you're watching right now from a hospital bed and the single number one physician you need is Jesus Christ who says again the healthy do not need a doctor but the sick and what he means is those who do not see their sin won't think they need to be saved but for those who do see their sin they know they need the Savior Jesus Christ. The great physician could be appointed for you right now where you are in your living room, in your hospital bed right now and save your life. And when you've been ministered to by the great physician, then there's no guilt in life and there's no fear in death. When you die, that's when you actually start to live. The necessity of the cross, the forgiveness found in the cross, the love, the power of the cross. Thus it is written, Jesus says, the Christ should suffer. The power of his truth, the power of his death. Thirdly, the overcoming power of his resurrection. Can you imagine how long, how lonely, and how depressing Saturday must have been for those who love Jesus? Can you imagine? Remember, they didn't fully get it yet, but it's right now that they're really beginning to understand. Now you say, understand what? Understand this, that when Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, that proves that God accepted Jesus' payment for our sin. Okay, if the, if the payment isn't made, Jesus isn't raised, but he was raised. Jesus Christ rising from the dead proves the ultimate and soon total defeat of Satan and all his demons. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. Jesus Christ rising from the dead proves that death has been defeated again once and for all. His resurrection proves his followers are fully justified and forgiven. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you too shall be raised from the dead if you genuinely follow Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. His resurrection proves that our resurrection body, 
is soon to come. Because when Jesus Christ was raised, he was raised in a body in perfection. Never, again, never subject to death again. No disease, no illness, no sickness, nothing impure will ever touch the resurrection body of eternal life. And that resurrection body is coming to all of us alive in Jesus Christ one day very soon as well. Praise the Lord. The power of the resurrection Jesus stands in a body that will never die. And that is our hope that one day again that will be us as well. Jesus stands for his disciples here in Luke chapter 24. He's like a flower. A flower that has burst into glorious bloom. A flower that will never fade, never weaken, never wither. A flower never to be plucked, forever glorious. The glorious blooming glory of Jesus Christ presented to you today. To believe and know and to love. And here you go, loved ones. For all who believe in Jesus Christ and who love Jesus Christ, this is your reality too. Jesus, the first fruits of eternal life, the representative harvest, the sample we see in Christ of the harvest that is to come. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And just think of that promise that Jesus Christ secures for us. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Live forever in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think about the day right now we are gathered in heaven. I'm preaching to an absolutely empty room right now. Not one chair I see is occupied right now. And listen, but one day soon we will be in heaven and there is no social distancing in heaven. Can I get an amen? There is going to be every tribe, tongue, nation, Every language, every people group gathered together worshiping the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and the glory of the Father. That is the heaven that awaits us one day so soon. Yes, come Lord Jesus. Nothing will stop us from gathering. And the glory and the beauty and the joy and the majesty. This is the hope that lives within. This is the power of Easter. This is the overcoming power of the resurrection It absolutely changes lives from death to life. Yes, Lord, change lives. Today, you know, I've seen so many. I've been a pastor for 20 years. I've seen so many people face death over the years. I've seen so many saints face death with courage and even anticipation. Singing their way into glory from this life to the next. Because in the end of the day, again, no guilt in life. No fear in death because they know exactly where they're going. They know exactly whom they belong to and they know that their Redeemer lives and therefore so do they. This is the power of Easter. This is the invitation available to you today. Put down your pride. Move aside your doubt, man. Stop living for self. Stop putting it off. Bend your knee. Confess with your tongue. You know Jesus is real, and you know he's alive. Start living for him today, and your life will never be the same again and again. You can die, but yet you shall live. The power of his truth, the power of his death, the power of his resurrection, and fourthly, the life-changing power of his proclamation. Look at verse 47. This is everything we've been doing today. He says in that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning 
from Jerusalem. Look at, look at the mandate of the church. There's one thing the church is supposed to be doing. Here it is, is making disciples through the gospel, strengthening and seeing men and women and children built up in the faith. To preach the gospel, notice, her, notice the order in verse 47. Do you see it there? That repentance should be proclaimed. Why does Jesus start with repentance? Because again, if you can't see your sin, you can't be saved. Repentance is a turning, turning from the ugliness, turning from the sexual immorality, turning from the greed, turning from the pride, turning from the lust, turning from the, again, from the the deceit, turning from the wickedness, turning from the anger, turning from the addictions, turning from all that garbage that's wrecking your life, turning from a hatred of Christ, turning from disbelief, turning from everything you've done to oppose God. It's repenting of sin and then turning to Christ. Repentance must be proclaimed for people to generally be saved. They must turn from darkness and then now run to light. And notice, notice verse 47, repentance and forgiveness, amen. Let me go back to that. The addiction, the sexual immorality, the pornography, the greed, the lust, the hypocrisy, the anger, the abuse, all of that, all of a sudden, I repent and I'm forgiven. You're like, all of it? All of it, because Jesus Christ paid for every sin for all those who believe and trust in him. Full forgiveness offered, all grace, all of it. I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? But it's true. All offered to you where you are right now, as dirty as you feel, made clean in Jesus Christ, as wicked as you see, made pure in Jesus Christ, as lost and lonely and depressed and sad, forgiven in Jesus Christ. That's the power of the gospel. And notice we proclaim his name. Jesus says, should be proclaimed in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's no other name that we can be saved other than Jesus Christ. Say it again. There is salvation in no other name but Jesus Christ, the name above all names. If it's not the name of Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. And then notice he says, we proclaim this to all nations. I love that. Every country in the world, every person, every person ever born has the ability to be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what it means? Is my, it means that there's not a person watching right now. There's not one single person right now that's too far from this. There's not one person. There's not one person watching right now that you cannot be overwhelmed with the love of God and forgiven in Jesus Christ. There's not one person watching that is too far gone, that is too distant, that is too wicked. All can be saved and forgiven of every nation, every tribe, every tongue. This gospel has no boundaries. And we pray this gospel finds its home into so many hearts today. Spirit of God, you're the one who does that. I can't do it. You do it, oh Lord. Listen, this gospel has been radically and so powerfully changing lives for over 2,000 years. And it's doing that today. For those who are lost, Jesus Christ is the compass. For those who are in darkness, Jesus Christ is light. To those who are covered in fear, Jesus Christ is the door to faith.
For those who are hopeless, Jesus Christ is hope. To those without meaning, Jesus Christ is purpose. To those facing death, Jesus Christ is life. Won't you give your heart to Jesus Christ today? Won't you turn from sin and receive his love?